31, verses 10 to 31. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise, and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honour her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Wise up, or get wise, is the point of Proverbs. It's a dad writing to his son to give him all the wisdom he can and how to live in God's world. So we can't forget who's writing and who he's writing to. Because a lot of people, even maybe as this is being read, we're already getting someone leaving because the passage, you might, not, you might think it's just not good enough. Like, what, what are we looking at this for, right? We might say, well, it's, it's written for, for, for girls, right? Because it's obviously it's about wives. But this is written to someone seeking a partner, what a partner should look like. A dad was trying to give this wisdom. This is what you're to look for. Now, I was going to ask, can you give me a hands up if you want to get married someday? I'm not going to do that. Because actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to assume that because of the world that you're growing up in, because of the intense glorification of sex and sexuality, that you want to experience at least some form of intimacy in your life. Because there's so much pressure in terms of relationships and what they should give. See, we've kind of messed it up a little bit. Intimacy. This is actually what Jesus wants to give us. But as soon as I say this word, there's different images and things and thoughts that come into your head. So whenever I say intimacy, unfortunately, we may jump straight to our minds of, of sexual thoughts and sexual encounters when Jesus hoped that intimacy for us would be so much more. And there seems to be a difference between the intimacy on offer and actually the intimacy that we experience in our lives. Nowadays, we say intimacy with someone and usually people are referring to a sexual relationship. But that's to underplay what intimacy actually is. It's actually maybe what causes us to avoid close friendships in case it's misconstrued as something we do want it to be or it's equated in a sexual way. But Jesus was fully human. He offered an intimacy with his friends. He never had sex and yet experienced intimacy to its fullest. But we seem to have changed the way that we view the term friendship. We see that when we look at things like Facebook, how we term the word friend. Like I, I barely have one friend. Never mind the hundreds that Facebook tells me I have. And I know that you're all too cool for Facebook, right? But you get my point. In the Bible, the word friend is linked with someone who knows you, like really knows you. John chapter 15, Jesus says to his disciples that he calls them friends. And by that, he's not saying, here, I'm Jesus, take my contact details, right? 
it's, it's that he actually knows them. He opens himself up. He reveals himself to them. And I think we need to put friendship higher on our agendas, which I know that you've looked at in Proverbs 27. We need to be in places where we're known and where we're loved and that, that provides a sense of belonging. And I hope that's what CE is for you guys. But what about whenever that romantic relationship happens? What are we looking for? What are we hoping for? Maybe we need to, to remember this idea of intimacy and friendship in light of what we're going to look at this evening. And yet sometimes, sometimes you might think, I don't know why we're looking at this, Phil, to be honest. It doesn't seem relevant. It doesn't seem appropriate. But actually, this is something that we need to look at now. If I'm totally honest, whenever I think about marriage and I thought about marriage, I was kind of like, listen, marriage might fix me. I'll sort out all the issues then. We shouldn't wait for marriage to come along. Actually, we need to be ready for it. So we need to think about it right now. You guys have done incredible listening, by the way, up to this point. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to talk with the people around you. You're not to do that awkward thing of stare at each other in silence, right? You've only got 30 seconds here. So first thing that comes to your mind, you share it with the, with the people around you, right? Um, top three traits of a partner, a boyfriend or girlfriend. What are you looking for? Top three things. Go. time up it's really not long i get that but i love the fact that you're buzzing about that question right um okay we're going to look for three things i'm going to look for one from here one from here one from here so we'll start with you guys give me one thing that you talked about top three traits give us one good looking yeah get it out there at the price start that's fine this side tall very good right this side So we're looking for a good-looking, tall, rich, <laughs> rich person. These are the top three things. Fair enough, that's fine. Um, we have a, a series in SU called If Life is a Game, How Do You Win? And the idea is that, that playing cards represent different things. For example, if you think that the whole point of life is romantic relationships, the card that you might want to play is the Queen of Hearts. And I'm going to read a little poem that we have, and I think it's really helpful as we think about this. I want to show you the key to success is found in the person for whom you'll undress. To love and be loved is where victory starts. Who else would say this but the queen of the hearts? You play this one card, it can trump every other. A friend, your bestie, or even your mother. Whose name do you want to see light up your phone? The losers are those who are left all alone. That's sometimes what we think, isn't it, in life? And actually, relationships... We're going to think about romantic relationships, those relationships that drive the world, they drive the sales of products because we believe that, that those clothes, those things that we buy will help in relation to who we want to attract because sex sells, doesn't it? And we fall for the voice of the queen of the hearts to love and be loved is where victory starts. And if you get that person into your life, then you are winning. You've won, haven't you? We all want the happily ever after. To win is to find the one who will love you and you love them the same and they make you feel okay inside but what are we supposed to look for okay another one you got 30 seconds 
top three fanciable male and female celebrity crushes go? Okay, it's time. Okay, let's go again this side. No, you, you can't do this to me. You are all chatting, and then whenever I ask, you'll go quiet. Who are we talking about? Is this where you're going to feel judged? Is that why you're not saying it? You're like, oh, I don't know if other people like this person. You're going to say something? John Mayer, okay. <laughs> okay, middle. Andrew Garfield, yeah. He's not the best Spider-Man, though. Okay, you guys. Chris Hemsworth, okay, right, interesting. Um, I wonder if, with these things, maybe maybe those traits you link with who these, like, are they, are they tall, are they rich, are they good-looking, whatever it might be. Um, sometimes we are forced to think just because of what we hear going on around us, but actually, what does God's Word have to say about this stuff? Because sometimes, again, you might be here and you might think, I don't know why, why these guys do this all the time. Like, you come and you sit and you hear someone speak and talk about, like, an old book. It seems a bit weird. But God's Word is still relevant today. So if you've got a Bible, let me encourage you to turn to chapter 31. It was just read for us. Thank you, Bradley, for reading it. I'm going to skip through it. Um, but if you can keep it open. Um, I'm going to suggest that our key verse is this. Um, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And the reason why I think that's a really key verse for us is because it's so countercultural. It's not what we hear in our culture today. See, we've been duped by pornography. We've been duped by social media. There's a, an old magazine called FHM, For Him Magazine. I used to joke with a friend that uh, he'd never settled down with a girl because he was looking for the FHM girl, right? He was, he was looking for a girl that didn't exist. He set false expectations based on fake girls that he'd seen in magazines. And again, I know I've just said the word magazines there and it makes me seem super old, but it's still true. There's something that we need to take from this example. And actually, I think if you're a Christian here today, you need to raise your standards, not lower them. Sometimes you can be so keen to be in a relationship that we completely ignore what God wants for us and what his best is for us. And so what's the number one trait? It's fear of the Lord. That's what it says here. It's the fear of the Lord. And this actually could bookend, by the way, because if you remember the very first week that you looked at Proverbs, which maybe seems like a long time ago, Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we're looking for a wise woman, not a foolish one. And surely you ladies want to be wise, not foolish, and you surely don't want to uh, date a fool. Well, the first thing you need to do is you need to believe, you need to trust, you need to follow Jesus. This is all one big story. The Bible is all one big story. It all connects, it all links. And actually, this book is one book. Okay, so I know we're looking at this section, but it all ties together. Everything has been mentioned. Now, don't get me wrong, right? I get it. Fellas want the hottie on the arm. She may have charm. She may have beauty. But here's the thing with those traits. They disappear after a while. They disappear after a while. The fear of the Lord is not only something that can remain constant, 
but actually it's something that can grow. So fearing the Lord is number one. Being wise and following Jesus is number one above all. Skill, talent, looks, they're secondary. And actually these type of women should be honored. Unfortunately, as we know from our own lives, the outside is more taken into consideration than what's on the inside. And actually, if I'm totally honest, I'm going to say to the the guys here, we're part of that problem. Because we might like the idea of a girl being nice or a certain way, but then how do we treat them? What do we expect from them? How do we talk to them? How do we value them? See, it's very easy, and I realize that as I stand up here, it's very easy for either side of you, for guys or girls, to switch off here. You might think, well, this passage is focused on women. Where's the focus on men? But also the men need to realize, okay, there's, there's an influence that you have as we talk about this stuff. And it's not just about to do with what wives women want to make, but actually what wives men should look for. This is important. Let's go back and look at verses 10 to 11. And we'll make our way through. A wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. This is what we're after, right? We're after good character. Okay, it's not necessarily good looks. I know it's been said, right? But it's, it's good character. It's who you are. It's your attitudes. It's your beliefs. That's what's more important than rubies. We need to work hard at this. Realize that it's about our character. And what this is actually saying is that good women are hard to find. That's what it's saying. Remember, Solomon hasn't got to the end of his writing this wisdom to his son and then kind of goes, ah, oh, I kind of forgot to write about woman, right? I'll, I'll kind of chuck this in here. This book is a tapestry that's woven together. And he's already mentioned this idea of a good wife in chapter 18, verse 22. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And here we see the extent of this blessing in our first few verses, even as you continue into verse 12. Look at it with me. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. So this, this isn't like a school playground when you kind of fancy someone, you, 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 the guy pulls the, the pigtails or the, the girl gives the, the guy a dead arm and then runs off giggling, right? It's, it's not that type of, it's good, right? It's good for both relationships. I don't know if you've ever heard the statement, you complete me. It's from a very famous film, but you complete me. Is this idea, and maybe you believe this, that you aren't complete until you find the one. And actually, this idea of the one can be really paralyzing. Because what if I don't get the one? What if I pick the wrong one? What the Bible says is you don't find the one, they become the one. Whenever you get married, they become the one. That's the trick. It's falling in love over and over again with the same person. It's not like the movies would have you believe that we cheer for adultery and we cheer for affairs because, listen, people don't seem to be happy and happiness is top of the list. We follow a God who is faithful and loyal and we are made in his image and we are to show the world what he is like and we have to model this in our own lives and that includes marriage. And we don't have time to go into all the complexities or maybe some questions that come into your head as I say this, but what I will say is where the ideal isn't, God's grace abounds. Where the ideal isn't, God's grace abounds. One thing I remember uh, reading is this. Marriage is not close friendship with sex added, nor close friendship marriage without sex. Marriage, by definition and necessity, must be exclusive. It's the two of you. And covenantal, in that there's, there's promise keeping, there's a faithfulness to it. One man, one woman for life. And in marriage, we aren't just looking for someone who's, who's going to make us happy, but make us holy. We are put to point one another to God. Proverbs has already told us, wisdom is found in the fear of the Lord. Now, I heard an analogy that's quite helpful whenever we think about the fear of the Lord. I want you to imagine what posture 
you would have if you were in the same vicinity as a lion. If a lion was to walk through those doors right now, how would you react? How would you respond? Maybe the guys at this side are maybe feeling a bit more safe than the guys at this side. But you would be, you'd be captivated by it. You would see how powerful and majestic it is. It would take up all your thinking and all your focus. This is how it should be as we think about God. He encompasses all our thinking. But in marriage, it impacts our whole lives. And we see this with this wise woman. As we read, she she wins the respect and honor of everyone, her husband, her children, her community, and it's her commitment to God that underlies the productive life that she has. Let's scan down from verses 13. See what comes up. That may help us as we see what God wants for us in our marriages. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds it a staff and grasps a spindle with her fingers. Here's the thing, right? She works hard. She's not a, a waster. She doesn't go partying and then sleep in until midday, not doing anything. No, no, no. She provides. She plans ahead, even thinking about the servants who are under her care. She doesn't squander money. She's smart with her money. And I think this links with other Bible passages about self-control. And do you want to know how I know that this passage is about a woman? Because she's a great multitasker, right? She can do many things and she can do them well. She is multi-talented. She opens her arms to the poor, extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes covering for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She cares She clothes. She's respected in the community so much that the husband is impacted by her reputation. Look at verse 23 again. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. You're a team. Whenever you get married, you're a team. The wife's success leads to the husband's success and vice versa. Like even though the guy is with the other elders at the gate, her work is known. This is what's happening at the city gate. This particular gentleman is among the elders of the land. Now, Elders play an important part in the Bible. I'm actually going to suggest that an elder status is what every man should aspire to because in truth, it's just about being a Christian. Um, This is what every Christian man should aspire to be. There we go. Titus 1. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Now, I don't want to take too much out of this passage that isn't there, but it's fair to say that, that we should aspire to this as this is what God has asked for those who oversee and look after the church. So people who, there's no, there's no accusation, there's no way people can point the finger so blameless. Faithful to his wife, so not messing about or getting caught up in affairs while the wife is looking after the affairs of her house, as we'll read later on. His children are obedient unto as they're told because there's respect, there's honor there. In conduct, and again, here we have this, character is important. There's no overbearance. There's no pushing the wife to do something she doesn't want to do. This person doesn't crack up easily or drink too much or get too violent or try to get ahead in life by lying and cheating. But instead, he's approachable. He's welcoming, focusing on things that are good. And actually, God's word, along with our consciences, tell us what is good and what is bad. And that will mean that we have to be self-controlled, which in a world of social media and instant gratification isn't easy. And so the striving is to be upright, holy, and disciplined. And we cling to the scriptures. 
because of what is taught in them, and in doing so we cling to the God of it. And that will mean standing up to it when the time comes, or if we hear something that isn't from God. So actually, there's something that I'm not saying that's right tonight from God's word. I expect you to come up and tackle me after this. Now, I don't mean like a two-footer, like an American football tackle. I mean you to come up and actually say, listen, I don't think you've got that right. Because here's the thing, truth matters. Truth matters. And the Bible talks about Jesus Christ as the truth. We follow the truth. It matters what people know and believe about Jesus Christ because it can be the difference between heaven and hell. So that's the challenge for the men here. Sometimes I've seen the Bible being used by men to be harsh and cruel to women. But as we see challenges laid down to men, let me tell you right now, if men lived up to the standards expected of them in the Bible, women would be happy to be led by such a loving, sacrificial leader of a man. You read this as well. Again, it's one big Bible story. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he's the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Before the woman maybe try and stone me here, right? Listen to the men's rule. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. So ladies, you will have the opportunity to say to an arrogant husband, the way you love yourself, you're supposed to love me that way. You're supposed to love me as Jesus loved me and he laid down his life for me. That's what real headship, that's what real submission looks like. But to go back to our passage, she makes linen garments and sells them, supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Like here we see her, her talents again, her planning, her prudence. It means that she can laugh at the days to come. She's not worried about them. She's not anxious. She can laugh at them. And she knows how to, how to speak to others. She's wise. She instructs faithfully. She keeps busy in her home. She knows what's going on, not just personally in her family life, but actually back in these days, businesses took place. That's why it talks about trading in these verses. She knows what's going on professionally as well. And as her children look at her and her husband, they can't believe that this is their mum. They can't believe that this is their wife. So much so that the big man fires in a poem and it's not even Valentine's Day. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. And notice that she cares about the inside. Her character, yes, but also the inside of her, ho her home, her family affairs. She works hard to keep it all together. But this care for the inside impacts the outside. It impacts how the community sees her. It impacts how her husband looks at her and the beauty that he sees which actually isn't based so much on the outward appearance, but on who she is. And actually, it's based on who she is, is how she acts, which is why I can finish with verses 30 and 31. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Here's this mention again at the city gate, this public acknowledgement of how awesome she is. I wonder if I was to ask you the question I asked you at the start, what are the top three traits you look for in a partner? I wonder if you'd answer differently now based on what we've just spent time looking at in God's word and his wisdom into your lives. Because let me tell you, um, in my life, I've seen it. This decision, the decision of who you will, I know you can think about dating, but dating should lead to marriage. And this decision is so important. Don't mess about with it. Don't just do it because you want to be in a relationship. This is serious stuff because it doesn't just impact here and now, 
it impacts eternity. So men, look for a woman like this. Woman, aspire to be a woman like this. Look for men who want this. Don't lower your standards. Get them to raise theirs. And together, let's fear the Lord and show the world what really matters. Let me pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that you uh, reveal yourself to us. Thank you for the intimacy that you provide. Uh, thank you for the community of CE here. Thank you for the friendships that, that blossom here. Uh, and Father, no matter where we're at, um, as we think about uh, romantic relationships, Father, no matter uh, if we think that's not for me, whether we think that's ages away, Father, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would equip us to see the seriousness with which you treat this, that you deal with this head on, that you are relevant, that you are right, that you are good. And so, Father, help us to see that in your word. Help us to realize that the most important thing that we can do is fear the Lord. And so whether we're uh, wanting to get married or not, whether we're single or in a relationship, Father, I pray that that would be the thing above everything else. Um, and yes, so Father, just please help us to praise you. In Jesus' name, for his glory and our good. Amen. If you'd all stand with us again, we're going to sing. <laughs>